We are the first generation to basically adopt all this new technology. We're the first generation with a cell phone, the iPod, the iPhone, you name it. Like we grew up with technology. We're the ones. And so it's assumed that we just want to do everything with technology and through digital efforts and means. But I'm like, man, I just, I want technology to be able to enhance what we're meant to do, which is to build meaningful relationships with other people. Like I don't see AI replacing us. I don't see AI replacing that component ever. And so what better way than to sleep together? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership. Allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founder Podcast with my co-host Christian Dadalak and a stacked room. We've got a lot of people on the call today, a lot of friends. We're going to be recapping our experience at IFA as well as the Fran Jam pre-jam that we did before Fran Jam. If you're in franchising, you know what that is. We've got a lot of great people on here. I'll do a quick round robin. We've got Wade Miller, CEO of Rightcore. We've got Zach Nolte, COO and, and co-founder of, of Franchise Playbook. Aaron Harper, owner and CEO of Rolling Suds. Christian Dadak, as I said. Christian Bettencourt. And that's it from Franchise Playbook. So what's going on, guys? Not a whole lot. I'm excited to be here. Just going to have some fun. Yeah. Super excited to recap. It was an amazing trip. Yeah, when in doubt, just stick to Aaron Harper, man. <laughs> I was going to say, I got to tell a quick story real quick, guys, just to, to kind of get this thing off. So first of all, I go to get Aaron Harper at the airport. I wait there for, how, what, six hours, Aaron, I think, for you in the parking lot, at least, guys. I'm not joking. This is 100% serious. He finally strolls up. He's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, thanks for waiting for me. And I'm like, whatever. So he hops in my car. We go to the place. And we try walking through the event center. We couldn't walk two steps without Aaron <laughs> talking to somebody. He knew, ev I'm telling you guys, every single person at the casino machines, every single person at every single table, everybody knew Aaron Harper. And I'm like, dude, who is this guy? I, so I just stayed close to him. That was it. It was, it was crazy. Just crazy. <laughs> anyway, that's it. It was great. Oh, wait, I can relate because when we were through the hallways of IFA, Dan couldn't go 10 feet without seeing somebody you knew. And it was pretty impressive. You know, me walking next to him, I'd look like his bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I met my match with Aaron Harper because Aaron knows everyone. And Aaron, you have like this contagious laugh that I, I just feel like it gets people happy and uh, it's pretty cool to see. <laughs> He's bubbly. Well, I had a great time. I mean, it was one of those trips where I was like, this is a trip I'll remember forever. And I think, you know, that leads into like our Airbnb, right? Like totally different. We stayed off the strip, which is kind of out there, right? Everyone usually stays at, you know, the conference, the, the hotel. And it was awesome. I mean, you guys just being there and being able to wake up and like mastermind for like 45 minutes about like franchising, just having breakfast. Wade makes an incredible breakfast with eggs and everything. So anyways, yeah, it was great. That's funny, man. I thought you were going to say, wake up and do something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish I was able to be there with you guys, but thanks for having us over. That Airbnb was super amazing. And I think that a lot of people don't fully understand 
how so much of the event and how the value in the event doesn't actually take place at the event itself, but almost in between the lines and the relationships you build with people and, and really the fun you have. I mean, these events are not... I don't see it as work, certainly. I see it as a fun opportunity to build connections with people in the franchise industry. And I think that that's really what happened and that's where the magic came from. Absolutely. I, I would double down on that comment. Like, I think it's it's very similar to a lot of other industry conferences where the conversations you have outside of the sessions can be even more fruitful than the, you know, even though the speakers are amazing and the content's amazing, just those connections. And one thing that I loved was I was on the vendor floor and, you know, we're working through a lot of things as a new franchisor. We're building a lot of things from scratch. And, um, and I know the challenges we have are, are the same that a lot of other existing and established franchisors have, but just being able to talk to other systems and other leaders of, of franchise systems and really be able to kind of wrap on, you know, like, here's the challenge we're facing. You know, what are you guys doing? What are you using? Like, what's your technique? And um, it's it's definitely the the sense of community that brings it together. By the way, you guys at the Airbnb, that was kind of like the franchising fraternity for sure. <laughs> I came in late, so hopefully I can pledge next year. <laughs> One of you guys can be my my big brother in the fraternity, but no, it was great to hang with all you guys and see everybody from around the country that are you know in the same space we are. It's amazing when you have everything that Christian said about the IFA in general, but then you take franchisors and vendor partners and and uh, anybody else within that the, that Airbnb setting. And it's like, it's like nonstop information, <laughs> questions, like learning, like it never stopped from like late night hot tub sessions where we're like, you know, just munching and then also like talking about just life yeah. in general. Yeah. And then we mix in some business into it. Like it, it was an experience that like going into it, I was like, ah, it's going to be another Airbnb. I'm not going to have like a long time away from stuff. But what I learned from everybody at that Airbnb was, was some of the coolest takeaways yeah. and also building stronger relationships within the franchise community. Well, and that's like my entire thought process with like starting out with this Airbnb. And to be honest, Zach Nolte is the original person with the idea from Springboard of, uh, what was it? 22, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Ended up not working out, but anyway, so then we like revamped it this year. And I started thinking about personally for myself as a vendor of the industry. And I go, well, what is my intention of going to these different conferences? And my intention there is to build meaningful relationships with other people. And so I'm like, I could go and get a hotel room with my partner, but I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for me. Like I talk with him every single day. So why bother? So then this whole Airbnb thing made so much sense. Cause I'm like, oh man, if I could just get some other franchisors there and maybe other suppliers in the future. And like, we all buddy up and partner up on this Airbnb and we all just build these deep, meaningful relationships instead of like, it's challenging to do it in the expo hall, right? Because often I feel like the attendees feel like they're being sold to, which is not a great place to build a meaningful relationship. And you have 30 seconds to do it anyway. It's very, very difficult. So this was like a game changer. It was a, it was a blast. It honestly changed my like perspective of how I want to travel when it's related to, to work. Like it's good. We we're actually planning a trip that we have to do for our company and like, yep. like Airbnb. And like the answer is other than for some reason we can't relate it to where we're going, but I'm always going to do an Airbnb. There's something about, even if you're together for two minutes, 
a day because you're in the house together. You're getting ready. There's this connection. It felt like partly like on a bachelor party, you know, with your buddies. But, but what was what was so crazy to me was how deep I do feel about everyone like in the house, including Christian. You know, I know you weren't there, but, uh, you know, you're, you're an honorary member. If you're listening to this and you're a business leader, I can't, I cannot begin to tell you how much. And, and the other thing is like, like I was going into it, to be honest with you, like I was a little bit not nervous, but like the idea, like Zach was saying of like being in this place, you never really get any alone time. But first of all, it's not true. You have your own room, you close the door, you got your own alone time. Well, most of us, you know, <laughs> but how do you recommend Airbnb? Walking into like the party that mostly Wade hosted, to be honest, I thought the party was gonna fall flat on his face. Like I kept, <laughs> I kept messaging like Dan and, and Steve. I'm like, no one's coming to this party. Like it's right before Frank Jam. Like uh, no one's come. we're gonna buy this food and and, and and have pizza there and whatever else, and no one's showing up. I guarantee it. Like we're just gonna get let down. And as we get up to it, like and we got within a couple hours, I'm like we don't have a big enough space for this many people. <laughs> and so just completely flipping. I think people are looking for that, that really small, yes. um, small net group. They want to be, you know, networking in smaller groups of, of people that know what they're doing. And I think this is kind of the start of something pretty big. I think, I, I think it could become a thing. Yeah. And I think a thing that people want to be invited to going forward. hundred percent. And let's just for the listeners who don't know, you know, kind of what happened, like, let's recap that a little bit, right? Like we, Fran Jam's like the biggest party, right? At IFA. And we were in this Airbnb and we basically had a house party with like red solo cups. And there was a pool table, right? There was a foosball table. We invited the five-star franchising guys. Scott Abbott comes. Andrew Megason, like Pro Nexus comes, like Carmelo yep, yep. from Spraynet. You know, we've got Everline Coatings. Like, you know, these are people who are like doing really cool stuff, like leaders in franchising. And like, we're all like playing pool and like, and then Wade gets a, a Hummer limo <laughs> with suicide doors <laughs> to pick oh. us up. We pack in that. Right. And like, we're taking pictures. It's like, it's like prom night meets like frat party, like in Vegas. And um, we're listening to like, you know, dance music. And like, we show up to Fran Jam, like with a crew and a white Hummer limo and walk. I mean, it was like doing that every year. Like like celebrities, man. Celebrities. Every year, like we're doing that every year. To touch on that for a second, if you're listening and you go to the next IFA, the Pre Jam Fran Jam. Free, wait, how do you say it? Pre Jam. I called jam? it. I think it was like the. Oh man, I'm forgetting now. I don't know the Fran. Fran Jam. Fran Jam. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, we might have a branding session on that. We'll brand it up good for next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally fine. Well, because we're gonna do it up. We're gonna have like we're gonna have a mansion next year. We're gonna have two limos. And yes. instead of, you know, I was running around before the event because that kept getting in my head that there weren't going to be enough people. So I'm running around like, hey, I go up to people and I'd say, hey, listen, like we're having a house party. And they'd first like look at me like an IFA, like what the hell are you talking about? What? And I'm trying to get more people. Next year, we're going to have a wait list. You know, you're not even going to be able to come. <laughs> unless you yep. get in now. Yep. <laughs> 
I have to make a quick comment about the limo and the suicide doors. I posted that picture that we took on Facebook and Bobby Brandon of Franchise Fastlane commented on it. He said, I hope that not every single one of these franchise leaders was in the same car at the same time. That's too dangerous for the franchise industry. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I mean, he's mainly talking about you guys, but I, I felt uh, pretty puffed up about that. Yeah, we'll have to have a designated survivor, just like they do with the president. So if, in case something <laughs> happens, there's somebody to live the, the franchise legacy forward. Well, that's the person yeah, that doesn't I, go in the limo. I'm not doing that. I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to touch real quick on what Zach was talking about earlier, though. I'm not much of a party guy. So I go to these events. I go to the Fran Jam after I went to like one of the other parties. And I went with Aaron. Of course, Aaron knows everybody. And, and I was telling everybody else, I talked to, I, I literally talk about Aaron like every single day of my life, right? But I'm like, just joking. Uh, but Aaron's got this extremely loud voice. And I was telling Aaron this too. He can, he can project. I can't project. I can't hear anybody. I'm like 65 years old in a 36 year old body. I don't know what it is. <laughs> And within 30 minutes, I'm gone. I, I can't do the parties because it's too loud. It's not intimate enough. I can't connect with anybody there. And so I think they're missing something. And I think that's what we can help kind of fill a hole in. So the big question is, how big do we go until it's too big, right? Maybe it is relatively exclusive. Maybe it is a 25 or 30 people and it just kind of tops out because I love these meaningful relationships and being able to connect personally without like blaring music in my ears and, you know, Everybody's going crazy. To be able to actually have conversation. Yes, yes. The conversations where it's at, hundred percent. And it goes into like one of my bigger takeaways from it was something we started the call with was watching. I thought I was a good networker. Then I saw Dan and Aaron and how they networked, and that's like networking on steroids. Like, yeah, how they, they are able to interact and get conversations going, and then they go like all day and all night. And they're able to carry on meaningful conversations. Like that was one of my biggest takeaways. And again, I think what leads into like these smaller intimate gatherings where you are able to have conversations. Yeah. It's like, like, there's a lot of people they want to go and maybe have a couple of drinks, but no one's looking to like party. This is still a networking event. It's still the IFA. So if we're able to then kind of like enhance what we're doing during the day at night, you know, what better way to do this than get gatherings like this? Yeah. But you, well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. But what I would say with that event, like, you know, people that were there, if you're there, you were invited, there's a level of trust that people that were there. Yeah. So like, you know, I was talking to John from Everline and it was about a two minute conversation, probably in, in, inconsequential, like in the moment. But even I got started talking about property managers, which both of our businesses need. Now, this is, doesn't affect each other's business, doesn't, it's not a negative, right? But we both happened to need property managers for the franchisees. And we had about a two-minute conversation where he said something that I remember walking away and being like, I could literally go home from IFA right now with that Whoa. piece of information, like that, that idea that he sparked in that two-minute conversation that I never would have gotten, not, not to put down for it, I love Randy, but like I had a bigger event. Yeah. It was just like this specific area where that level of trust was there that it was unbelievable. Yeah. Like it was just crazy the amount of trust that we have with each other because just because you're in your own house doing keg stands. Zach? <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't control Steve. He was out of his mind. <laughs> but nonetheless, learn some great stuff. And so, Dan, you talked about you know the golden nugget you got from a two-minute conversation. Aaron was that for me. I won't mention what it was, but it had to do with lead gen as a broker. Mm. And it just blew my mind. I mean, I already kind of figured... I've, I've heard... Wh you know, whisperings about that being a good way to do it. 
but I wasn't quite sure how. And he's like, oh yeah, dude, here's exactly what you do. Bye, 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 bye. And I was like, huh. Yeah. And I felt exactly like you did, Dan. I was like, I could go home and this was a successful trip, 100%. Yeah. I had a similar experience with Scott Abbott. I literally tell people this. I'm like, he literally sat me and Jonathan Fraser down and gave us some words of wisdom. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so we came from that and started like peeling back that onion and what it meant to us and what we can do to scale our business. But I'll give you one nugget. And the way I explain it with guys like Scott Abbott and I think Ryan Zink and other very, very successful entrepreneurs are, is that they've hit certain milestones and thresholds in their life, uh, professionally speaking. And what is a milestone for us? They've already done that 10 years ago, right? So I'm just going to make up numbers. This is no way representation of what Scott is. This is just my way of thinking about it. But let's say Scott starts off in his 20s, wanted to hit $100,000 in income a year. Then it goes to a million. Then it goes to five, then 10, then 50. And it keeps increasing. And so his milestones keep increasing with those. He sits us down and he looks at me and Jonathan. He goes, what are you guys doing? And I'm paraphrasing, of course. He goes, you guys should be going for a billion. One billion. So his milestone is so high. It's so out there that he's now looking for the billion dollar mark where I may have just been looking for 5 million, right? And so all of a sudden, it just changes the landscape. It changes your horizon, your perspective on everything and what you're trying to accomplish and what you're going towards. When speaking with guys like that, that have already experienced the $5 million mark or the 10 or the $50 million mark or $150 million mark, it's incredible the, the way it shifts your mindset. Yeah, you're not going back to thinking that way. It's almost like stepping outside of the matrix. You know, I forget which one it is. There's a red pill, like takes you out of the matrix. So it's, it's like that. Once you, you can't, once you expand your mind like that and you, and you get a number in your mind or a thought process and you see how big some of these guys think, there's no way you can't go back to the way you were thinking before. You're just changed forever. And what that does for you, for me, is it just elevates you completely. Yeah. I agree. Wait, I've had similar conversations like that, but what I just from this group, right? Like we all have these goals and a lot of us are doing the same thing in tandem, right? Like with Rolling Suds and Franchise Playbook, but we all have these goals and they're all, you know, I think they're all going to be achieved. And like one of the key takeaways for me is like, we're all sitting at dinner. We Consumer Fusion was nice enough to take us out to dinner and we went to this nice Wolfgang Puck restaurant that had like, we had to, they had to get reservations like two and a half months prior. It was a two and a half hour wait. Like, and we, we sit there and we have this long three hour dinner and like, we're just talking about all the things we want to accomplish and like just putting it all out there on the table. That and the party were my two favorite things at the event. You know, and Zach specifically, I had a certain thing I was challenged with in my business and Zach's like, Oh, dude, I got you. I've already figured that out. Here you go. Like, don't worry about it. It's solved. Right. Like, done. It's like, okay, that's right. awesome. so much of that, like trust to share. Like I can think of like Wade jumping into a call related to our transaction. Like here's our insurance, the CEO within minutes on the call, fix the problem, get off the call. Next thing, like we all will do that for each other because we the circle of trust. Like I agree with you, Aaron. When we were at that dinner, I think I said something about like the most successful people at the highest level, the wealthiest people, they work in packs. Like they travel in packs, they help each other. And that's what I feel like we've established here. And so like, if you're a listener, whether you're a franchise founder or you're a franchisee or a potential franchisee, I cannot stress how much it means to actually build true, rela- true relationships, yeah. friendships outside of work. And then you'll just work so much better together. 
Yeah, I can agree with that more. And it's like, it's finding your tribe. Yes. That's ultimately what it is. And like, there's a lot of power in that. And, and one of the themes, you know, we've talked about is just like this smaller group atmosphere. And like, I think a lot of people get a lot of information out of a big session where there's, you know, hundreds of people. But these small sessions, I sat in on a CMO, like kind of roundtable with other marketing leaders from other franchises. And it was just incredible the power that like small groups had to like really tackle really tough conversations, whether it was the fears of a recession and how the impacts on your marketing budget or how to ethically use ChatGPT to create content that doesn't make you look like a lazy marketing organization to brand compliance, which many of you know me, I'm brand police. So it's just incredible, like the power that smaller groups have. So I think that was one big takeaway was just the conversations in small groups and being able to really like pick apart big problems and like walk away with solutions. Yeah, I mean, I'll just jump in and say, I agree, of course, I think the whole thing here is agreement. But my two favorite things were the dinner and whatever we're calling the party you guys did at the Airbnb, I'm tongue twister. But I think there is something to be said about the small group and building your pack and finding your tribe. And to piggyback off of what you guys were already saying, just being completely giving with no expectation in return, because we know that we all will take care of each other. But, you know, like that's why, you know, I will make a video for IFPG saying, dude, Aaron, like you got to talk to Aaron. Consultants, you got to talk to Aaron. And Dan, obviously, I'll do the same thing for Playbook because I believe in you guys and what you guys are doing. And so I'm happy to do that. And then Aaron gives me the golden nugget. That is definitely going to change my business also. So it's like, it's just you just give and give and give and give and give. But I think there's something powerful about finding that tight-knit group. And I think that if someone's new to the franchise industry, that is probably the most important thing you can do. And what I love about our group too is we're all pretty young, right? Which... Yeah, I just turned 23. So I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Nice. But yeah, I think it's cool. There is a changing of the guard and something that I love that Aaron really talks about a lot and Dan too, all of us, I think, is responsible franchising and doing franchising in a way that makes the industry look good and makes all of us look good. And, you know, some of the bad practices of the past getting rid of that. And I think that, you know, with the new guard and the young guys that we are, it's it's really cool to see. And it will be cool to see the effect that we have on the industry long term. And I'm really excited to see that. The key on that word, like giving, like we were all at like a very early stage in franchising at one point. I think we all can name off probably four or five mentors that we had that gave us pivotal information at that time to allow us to excel in our our positions. And so if we didn't have them giving us information, we have to be the ones then to kind of keep passing that information along. And whether it's tweaked or we do it a little bit differently, like the sharing is a huge part of this community for sure. Well, I think what's been super cool for me, just as we've all gotten to know each other better, is like, we're all starting stuff. We're doing the same thing, whether it's, you know, we're founders of companies, we're starting franchise systems, we're, you know, vetting suppliers and, you know, we get to talk to each other. Dan and I have talked pretty much almost every day for the last like five or six, probably six months now. And it's because we've been able to kind of say, oh, hey, did you go through this on your deal? Yeah, I'm going through this right now. Okay, this is how I solved for that. And Dan said something that resonated with me. is like, we're basically moving twice as fast as a result, right? Because we don't have to make the same mistakes as we move forward in tandem. Aaron leaves the mistakes to me. 
he lets you go just one step ahead of him. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh, Honestly, like, I mean, I'm sure we'll make some mistakes, but like, we're avoiding a lot of mistakes because of that, right? Because we talk, oh, what about insurance? Talk to Wade. Oh, what about, you know, in our, in our team, like, we've really made sure to find the people. And you're doing the same thing, Aaron, with your team as you build, finding people that know the things you don't know, which is so important. Yeah. What I want everyone to get away from this as they listen in is just the banter, right? And how good of friends we've become. I mean, it's pretty clear. And, and in a relatively short period of time, right? I mean, I hadn't seen Dan, I don't think in like a year or so. And, you know, we talk all the time, but there's just something different about going to an event and the relationship you build in, at an event. I mean, that's really where you go from being like friends or acquaintances or business partners or business relationships to like brothers. And I think that is where you, you take your business from like here to here. Yeah. Well, and I think in my space, there's been a big push to go digital. And I pushed against that when I started my company because I still believed in the relationship and I still believed that trust was an important factor in building the business. And so at the end of the day, I still believe that that people want to do business with people they trust, right? Like I think in this day and age, even our generation we are the first generation to basically adopt all this new technology. We're the first generation with a cell phone, the iPod, the iPhone, you name it. Like we grew up with technology. We're the ones. And so it's assumed that we just want to do everything with technology and through digital efforts and means. But I'm like, man, I just, I want technology to be able to enhance what we're meant to do, which is to build meaningful relationships with other people. Like I don't see AI replacing us. I don't see AI replacing that component ever. And so what better way than to sleep together? (laughs) (laughs) You guys know, you know what's up. (laughs) If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button. And make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. Christian Bettencourt, you weren't, well, I guess either Christian wasn't in the year, either B&B, so you don't really know what goes on. We'll get Christian squared there next year. But yeah, it is all about relationships. I mean, I think about, you know, we're building and when you're building, especially in franchising, you're finding partners and suppliers that can really like can really be by your side. And so I felt like IFA was a great opportunity for us to really get to know some suppliers and some partners and really like spend three days with them to really see what they were all about and build relationships so we could go to battle together. I mean, that's really what it was about. And so I feel like just spending time with some of those partners and whether it started on the floor of the vendor floor or it continued to Franjam and then it continued to dinner and beyond, it was really a positive relationship over the three days we were there. The other thing that's cool about franchising is we have so many events, right? Like there's so many times where we get to meet up. You know, we finish IFA and I'm like, I'll see you guys in two and a half weeks at the unconference, right? Like I'm flying in a couple of days before, like want to snowboard? And Dan's like, yeah, maybe actually let's do that, right? And like, so like, I don't think a lot of industries have like, you know, an event that everyone goes to every six to eight weeks, like a a broker event or a conference or a springboard or a young con. And like, to be able to have that and like, be able to see my friends consistently on these trips away, like, 
it just makes it like that we could build these meaningful relationships stronger because we get to see each other a lot. I do think we're on to something though, because outside of France, like think about every iconic movie or show about a startup company like WeWork or Super Pumped or even Theranos or there's others, but like those movies, obviously those end up being like some negative cultures too. But like the overall idea of some of these unicorn businesses is their teams were like super connected and, and good friends. And I think you can match them, man. Like honestly, working with people and becoming friends with them has changed my way of doing it. Like we're building our technology right now at Playbook that's pretty complex. I and mean, it's a friend of mine that's building it. And I was telling Christian, I was like, it's funny because like we could be friends at night and then negotiating is a completely different conversation. We go back to being friends at birthday and like, I actually don't understand the idea of not doing business with friends. It seems opposite to me, you know, like Christian too, like we've become good friends and like, I don't really know if I'd want to do business with someone who's not my friend. It just seems crazy to me. I do think it's important to differentiate the two, right? Often we have to make clear business decisions and not make decisions based on emotion. I think emotion can blind our decision-making process. And so just, we have to be careful with that, but I'm the same way. Like I want to build genuine, like that was the whole point, man. Like, oh man, I bunk up with Dan and Aaron and Zach. Like this is going to be a blast, you know? Yeah. It's super important. So for you guys, do you find that challenging ever to make those decisions? Like, oh, this isn't working out. Even though he's my friend, I have to sever the relationship. So I'd love to open that up and see what your response is to that. I can speak to that. I mean, there's been a couple partnerships that I've been in and they've been with friends that I've been friends with for a really long time. And, you know, there was a certain expectation of who was going to do what at the beginning of the partnership. And then towards the end or whatever, it was like, wait a minute, you know, things have changed a little bit. And I felt like we were able to make a really mature decision to preserve our friendship before it went down to the path of, hey, like this isn't, this isn't working and we've already signed all these documents and blah, blah, blah. And so I think being self-aware of like, hey, is this serving each party, right? Or can we hire a full-time employee to do the thing that, you know, you would do and you can go do your thing? And so there's been situations where I've avoided that based on just self-awareness. And yeah. and so I think that's important to know about. Patrick Lencioni has some great books on leadership. And one of them is like the five dysfunctions of a CEO. And one of the things that he talks about is that it doesn't matter if you were friends before, usually as an executive, especially as a CEO, it's lonely, right? And so who are you friends with? You end up becoming pretty close with your executive team, usually the people that are working right within your organization. And so like what happens is, They say that actually CEOs are more likely to fire a teammate that they're close with than they are to have the conversation, the tough conversation of like, look, this isn't working. This is what we need to fix. And instead, it's easier just to actually cut the cord, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And so to me, when you're talking about the friend, it's it's a commitment first to understanding where they're coming from. That's a a decision. That's an extra two hour conversation, maybe a three week process that you have to do instead of, you know, going to bed, you're on the phone and you're working through, you know, trying to figure out what's wrong. And then if it isn't a fit, the most compassionate leader understands that if it's not a fit for you, it's also not a fit for them. They're going home and they're taking that with them. They may not realize it, but they're going home. They're not showing up the same. Their shoulders are slouched. Their kids are like, what's wrong? They don't know what's wrong. And it's wrong, but they're in the wrong seat. I was the wrong seat for my last business toward the end. It was time for someone else to take the reins. And I see that now looking back and there were deep friendships there. So I think you have to be smart enough to understand that because of your friend, you might be able to stick with it a little bit longer, which is a good thing. 
but you have to be able to look at things super objectively and not let that blur your decisions. Yeah, and I think it's also important to approach it with an attitude of, I'm here to preserve the relationship. I'm here to also you know, make a, a good sound business decision. But I think it's also important just to be charitable and gracious with where the other person is coming from and don't assume that they're coming from a place of bad intentions. We all have different things that we're trying to accomplish, different perspectives. And I think if we just appreciate that someone's just coming at the situation from a different angle or or they're at a different place in life or they have different goals. And if the relationship is no longer tenable, just based off of my goal is X and your goal is Y, it doesn't mesh anymore. Yeah. But I'm not going to assume that just because your goal isn't the same as mine, that all of a sudden you're a bad person or anything like that. I mean, Dan and I have done things in the past where we had to politely move on, but we've always kept the podcast together. You know what I mean, Dan? We always went about it in a pretty solid way, right? Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I agree. And I think you made a great point because usually, I mean, most people are not trying to do harm to you. I would almost even argue like 99% of the time, unless you're like an actual criminal, nobody's making this. I remember this one time I, when I was in my early 20s, I had a roommate that I knew since I was a little kid and wasn't paying rent. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you not paying the rent? You, you know what you're doing to me. And I realized later in life that he wasn't doing it to me. He, was, he had problems. Like he had, he had to deal with those problems in his own life. I was inconsequential to the rent. Like, it wasn't me at all. He wouldn't have paid whether it was me or someone else. So that guy is not a bad guy. That example is probably not the best, but no one's usually intentioned to screw you over. It's not personal. I'd like to share one other cool thing that happened at IFA. So one of the things that's been crazy since I started working on Rolling Suds and the deal is like, I didn't know how these deals are supposed to be structured. There's so many different ways. There's different classes of shares. There's waterfalls. There's all these different things. There's percentages. And like none of it made sense. And it was like I was wading through the Amazon. It's like crazy. Like I, And so I met some franchisors who are business owners and they're not franchisors yet. And they're trying to figure out the path and people are approaching them and they're offering different types of things. And Everyone I talk to is kind of, they all have their own opinions, but I think they're all acting in their own self-interest, right? Which of course they're going to. And I was like, how about we just sit down and have coffee? I have zero dog in the fight. I'll tell you what I like about these deals and what I don't like about these deals. And we sat down and she was like, so grateful. And to be able to like, just give that away when it was something that I like really needed when I was doing, and to just be able to give that away was really cool. And I'm going to do more of that, right? Like Dan and, and I've gone through this, right? In the last six months. And it's a very unique deal and a very unique situation that I don't think a lot of people go through. And so if I can share my experience that can help future people, it was cool. I got nothing in return, like, but I was able to help. And that was like a key takeaway as well for my FA for me. It was like, I'm going to do that like all the time. Like I'm just going to offer free advice all the time. But you know what's funny about that is you say you didn't get anything from it. And, and that's the mentality you have to have. But you never know down the road, like the seeds you're planting along the way with so many different people, most things won't come from most of it. And that's fine. Like that's, that actually makes it a good thing. But you never know down the road, yeah. somebody that does something huge and they're like, that's because of Aaron. And, and maybe they help you with something down the road. And, and again, you didn't do it with that intention. But I think that people don't realize that if you do give, 100% with no strings attached, things do come back to you and you don't even have to ask for it. 
Yeah, Aaron, I mean, I, I agree with you. I give away things. And then, like, when we were at that pre-jam, friend jam I was talking to uh, Andrew, who ran Belfer Franchise, who now runs big part of Five Star Franchising, and was previously running a business in the space that we're going into. And so, of course, he didn't share anything, you know, confidential or anything, but he was able to give a perspective of 10 years or whatever amount of time it was that like, like you just said, things that you knew after year, like years and years and years. And there's only like five or 10 people that run restoration franchisors. There's only so many of them, right? So there's only like 10 people I can get that information from or that, that knowledge from. And I remember sitting there on the couch for like an hour and being like, I'm just going to keep asking questions until, until he tells me to go away. Like, you know, like I'm just going to sit here and listen. But I think, Maybe there's some climatic thing that, like, because you give it away, you get it from someone else later that's further along than you. I don't know, but I think it's great that you did that because that person, you probably saved her years of headache. Yeah, this comes back to the abundance versus scarcity mindset, right? There's all too often people, in my opinion, that potentially have self-esteem issues or ego, pride, uh, they have a scarcity mindset. They believe that by not telling anybody, by not giving back, that they're preserving, they're protecting what they have and what they've created. When in reality, that's I think it's the complete opposite, right? With the abundance mindset, we're willing to give without the expectation of return. However, like Christian was talking about, most likely it's going to come back, whether it's through the universe <laughs> or some other greater power or just because of our incredible network, like it comes back. I've seen it so many times. And I almost feel as if there is a duty, an obligation of sorts to give back, right? Like I feel it. My experience with starting my company and the people that have given me up their time, I feel compelled to help others because of what they've done for me. And I, I know what's going to come back and return in the future. So for anyone who's listening to this, who's like, okay, what should I do? There's 4,000 people at IFA. Like, how do I make meaningful connections, right? Like, we've been in franchising a while, like we've done this, right? Like, how do I do this? A key takeaway that maybe someone who's listening to this and is just getting into franchising is one thing I do often when I'm talking to people is the last thing I leave them with is, is what can I do to help you? And just like, it seems like such a weird question maybe to like, like it's almost unnatural, but like I did that with a supplier partner that I'm partnered with. Is there anything I can do to help you out? And you know, she was like taken aback. And then she like told me something, right? And I, and I was like, oh yeah, that's easy. I can do that. And I saw her later in the event. She's like, I do so much for other people and no one ever asks me what they can do for me. And like, that meant a lot to me. And like, that's a simple question that anyone can ask at any time. And just something, I mean, just a practical, hey, try this out, see how it goes. And maybe you'll meet some people that'll be meaningful. I also just... To piggyback on that, if you're listening to this and you go to IFA, something I couldn't grasp is, so, you know, I've switched from almost a decade on the supplier side or whatever amount of time it was to franchisor. And I'll never leave that mindset of the community of franchise. I call it a supplier. You're a franchisor, but you're like a supplier. You stay connected to franchising because it's the backbone of what your business is built on. And I was blown away by, if I went to the IFA if I didn't know any of you guys, I just said, oh, I'm on a franchise conference. So I just got into franchising. 
I would go to the Mandalay Bay, I'd go to the conference all day. And like, listen, I love, you know, there's great shows in Vegas and there's great opportunities to do things, but I would, I'll go there another time with my family and, and like, that's what I'm there for then. When I go to IFA, I'm there to learn. So if I was new, the first thing I would do at night is I would go to the Mandalay Bay hotel bar because that's where people probably are. And I felt like I was in the twilight zone. Because like every night I was like, why is there not one person here that I don't know? I know everyone here. They're all the same people. We're all the franchisors. Wow. I really, and I know people say it's intimidating. Everyone knows each other. But I don't know. I couldn't believe that. So if you're a franchisor, go to IFA. Go to the hotel bar at night. That's where you're going to make a lot of the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I'll piggyback on that with giving some advice uh, to the suppliers. So I had a really cool you know, experience. I thought it was cool. I thought it was very interesting. I'm standing there talking with Nick Lopez from Lime Painting. And we're just chatting. And somebody else comes up and interrupts our conversation. Totally fine. No problems with that. But he goes, hey, I'm a consultant new to the franchising space. I'd love to... I'm looking for some some advice, some feedback. And Nick and I look at him. And it's, sure. And I'm, I'm assuming he's directing his you know question at Nick because... Uh, anyways... So he starts to jump in and he immediately starts pitching Nick. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. And within 15 seconds, Nick politely stops him. He goes, you're doing it all wrong. He goes, this is how you approach a franchisor. And he goes, ask about me. Build the relationship. He goes, it's all about relationships and franchising. And I'm like, that's it. That's the golden nugget. If you do that properly as any supplier, if any supplier is listening to this, for me, my business model in the very beginning was don't talk about myself. My objective is to not even bring up insurance, right? It's to ask questions about the individual. And I, I do the same thing with my consultants. I go, if you can get through a conversation and not talk about insurance or yourself or anything else, but only them, you've succeeded. You are building the relationship and that's all that matters. And eventually, Nick's thing goes, he starts to back it up. He goes, he goes, as you ask about me and my business and who I am building the relationship, he's, I'll eventually ask what you do. And that's when you can tell me about your business. And I just like, words of wisdom, really incredible. What did the guy say back? He actually thanked him and Nick just looked at him and he goes, you were asking for feedback, right? <laughs> and the guy was like, he's like, no, he's like, you're absolutely right. Like, thank you so much. And I think he then just walked away. I walked away because I'm like, yeah, I could feel it, you know, it was just, <laughs> but it was good. Like it's such an important lesson to be learned. Like too many suppliers in the industry. I'm not sure about your guys' experience. You guys would obviously know better than I, but I do feel that too many vendors and suppliers, they forget about the relationship. They just want to pitch. They want to sell you their stuff. And that's why I have a hard time with the expo hall because people are walking by you. So like it's challenging to do that, but it's so much better. And that's why these intimate environments are really ideal to build those relationships. I think that's a good reminder too, is it's, you can learn all this stuff in IFA, but it's what you do with that information afterwards. That guy, maybe he took that information and on the very next conversation, he applied what he knows and maybe he's going to be a top consultant. Who knows? Or he's like, oh, that guy doesn't always talk about, I'm going to go back. You know, what do you do with that information after is what really makes an IFA pretty cool in that education. Yep. hundred percent. I kind of want to push back a little bit on what Wade said though. It is true. But I don't think it's just a franchise industry thing. Like I go to a lot of like oh, yeah. chamber of commerce stuff. I think it's a human nature thing. And I think it's important for people to fight that inner urge to like, you feel like if I don't make people know what I do, then they're not going to know. And I got to like pitch them and they have to know that I'm the best in what I do. And, but that's what everybody does. And 
I think that the top people, I think everyone in this room, and I think there's a reason that, you know, you guys are the top people and will be and do some incredible things within this industry is because you all have that mindset of how can I help you? Aaron said it. I mean, you guys all are that way. I mean, at dinner, I saw that with Zach helping Aaron and then Aaron helping me and uh, Dan helping me and each other, like all of us, each other completely. And I just think it's just such a, important mindset that I just think that so many people don't have and then they wonder why they're not winning. And I have to admit something, guys. Like I wasn't always that way. Like for probably a decade of my career, I did that thing. I was that guy. I pitched, I sold. That's all I wanted to do. I had a very difficult time connecting with people. I had very limited interests. Like these, this is me being transparent with you guys. Like I was very like, I have one thing I'm interested in. I didn't like sports. I don't like college football. I played, I love football. I don't want to talk about it all the time. So like there's a disconnect with a lot of guys, right? Like they want to talk about sports. I'm like, dude, I don't follow anything. I don't watch, you know. So it was challenging and it took me a level of, I think, humility, of curiosity to realize that like, there's got to be a better way. Maybe I don't know everything. And then a path of learning, continuous education, continuous learning. And that was really stressed to me the importance of that through a mentor of mine. Mentors are so important. Mentors don't sign up for the job. You assign them. You identify a person and you start like, like Dan, Andrew doesn't realize it, but Andrew's the mentor. And Dan's just going to keep calling the dude and keep asking the questions until he's like, what's going on here, Dan? Like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, I'm just asking questions. (laughs) Self-awareness, I think is critical. That's a great point though. Like I've had some great mentors in my life and like, it's like, you know what? Jesse Itzler was speaking at franchising event. I think it was Franchise Update Media. He was on stage. Jesse Itzler is the founder of like Mosaic Jets that was sold to Warren Buffett's company for like a hundred million bucks. And he started Zico Coconut Water. He's also married to Sarah Blakely, the billionaire CEO of Spikes, my favorite female CEO by far, one of my favorite CEOs in general. But he was speaking and he did this whole topic on all these people. Like in his story that were famous or influential that he was able to break into and they helped him along the way. So after he spoke, I was standing outside and he came out. I approached him. And I forget what I said, but it was something like, hey, all these celebrities helped you. So like, it's your turn. Like, I have a question. And I was like, how did you get all these? I'm not saying celebrities, but people that are influential, that are busy. How did you get their attention? And he said, well, first of all, it's a numbers game. I told you stories of three or four people out of the thousands or hundreds that I reached out to. But basically, it's a one-sided relationship. These people, everyone's trying to take from them. So you have to give. But like whatever Nick Lopez said to that guy, it's like with the celebrity type or you know influential type, you got to do it 10 times more. Keep sending them a book. Hey, I know you said this book is great. And send it to them. And you got to do it again and again and again and again. And then someone will respond. Unless you're Wade and you just somehow partner with everybody great right away. <laughs> Dude, give it, then you get in return. I'm telling you guys, man, it's, it was wild. So from a franchisor perspective, so franchisors who are listening to this, emerging franchisors or established franchisors, I went to a franchise development roundtable. Some of you guys know Dickie, Richard Davies, Dickie, everyone calls him Dickie. He was, you know, doing this roundtable about franchise development. And everyone at the table was talking about how they sell the person who's interested in buying their brand. They just sell them on their brand and they sell them and they sell them and they sell them. And they might sell 20 units a year, 15 units or 11 units. It's it's because they're selling, right? They're not listening to the candidate. And Dickie turns around and he knows, he knows me, he knows 
my perspective on franchise development. He knows, he turns around, he's like, Aaron, what do you think? And I was like, like, oh God, here we go. (laughs) And, you know, my comment was, it's kind of similar, I mean, to what Wade said is like, listen, these people are going to invest 150, 200, $300,000. Like you need to earn their buy-in. You have to ask them questions. You have to understand how they want to buy the franchise, right? And so much so it was like, no, you have one call with them, you give them a ton of homework assignments. And then if they don't do it, they're not right for their brand and they're not going to be a good franchisee. And I was like, I don't think that's the way, right? Because if you take that same perspective that Wade's talking about, it's like, ask people about them and what makes them them. And then they're going to want to listen to what you're going to be able to do for them. But if you just get on a phone and you're like, let me sell you on my brand. It's like, this is a really, it's a lifestyle change. I mean, I think franchisors going into recruiting franchisees and doing that, I think really need to look at that same philosophy when they're talking to potential franchisees. So I don't think it's just for suppliers. I think it's for franchisors too. We'll wrap it up on the hour here, guys. Any key take? I mean, I guess the whole thing has been key takeaways, right? But anything that you guys want to leave the audience with, this has been fantastic. And Dan, thanks for putting this together. I mean, this has been really good. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the audience that get a lot out of this. But anything anyone wants to leave the audience with before we wrap up? I'd just say, like, go to these events looking to build meaningful relationships. Forget about selling for a moment. Forget about yourself for a moment. Focus on the other individual. I'd also recommend anybody attending look to seek out those types of relationships. I do know that as a supplier from my side, I know that franchisors, they get frustrated at being sold to. And that's why they walk quickly through the expo halls. And so if you're a franchisor, like just if it's possible, like look to build the relationship as well with the supplier. Like that's how you get to know each other. That's how you build that trust. Like it's so important. I would also say, you know, kind of on the other side of the coin, like be open to conversations with people that at a lot of conferences, like people will see your name and where you work on your name badge. And on the supplier side, like if your name's more recognizable, you probably have more sizable budget for them to go after. And if you're unrecognizable, some people might not spend as much time with you, but just be open to, you know, talking to people that might not necessarily do anything for you now or just get to know people. And I think not having a game plan of like just being open to life and letting it happen when you're there. I think that's when some of the greatest conversations. And again, I think the wrap up from me is just, it's all about relationships. I mean, you know, we had conversations around branding where brands really have to start thinking and evolving the way that they actually connect with their consumers because they're not just consumers that are consuming your products. They're actually part of a relationship between you as a brand and the consumer that's actually taking part in your service or your product. So yeah, relationships are just at the center of everything. Yeah, for me, the sessions are great. Roundtables are great. General sessions was awesome. But you got to get awkward and you got to have those hallway conversations. Stand in line, wait for coffee, talk to the guy behind you or a girl. And those are the conversations that I think you find that that's where you're building meaningful relationships. You're getting those tidbits of gold in the unlikely spots. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please do like, subscribe, give us a comment. We're trying to be the top podcast in franchising. I think we're getting there, but we got a little bit more to go. So please give us those five-star and the reviews. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business, to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com.